Welcome to Girlfriends Pray. We are a prayer ministry for women where our mission is to draw more women closer to God through prayer. We would like to welcome you to our series on mental wellness. In this series, we are focused on the elements of prevention, intervention, and support. Within the African American community, there is the belief that no matter how great the burden, prayer is the answer. While we as women of faith know and understand the power in prayer, we also know that God gives wisdom to trained mental health professionals to support us through difficulties. The purpose of this series is to educate our sisters on the importance of maintaining mental wellness as well as open the conversation around treatment. We hope you enjoy the series and that you will share it with someone. Again, um, happy uh, new year to everybody who joined us. Uh, this morning, if you're with us here, Happy New Year. Even though we are sensitive in this season um, about those of you who may not be, we hold space for both. We can do both while we are here. So now, uh, ladies, and if we have the gentleman on the line today, um, on Friday, which was 2022, uh, but now we're over here in 2023, we wanted to be responsible with what it is that God had entrusted uh, to us all these years at Girlfriends Pray, and that is the privilege and the opportunity um, to serve God and to pray for you. And being responsible also means we recognize that so many people, particularly in this season, um, may be struggling with just getting out of bed, just moving along. And so we have a special guest. So I'm going to back out of the way, um, and I'm going to allow for Kim Fuller to come in. And we now are going to go into what we will call, what we're calling our group therapy. I know it's early in the morning. I know it's a holiday. Today is technically when the U.S. celebrates um, a holiday, but if you rolled onto this line this morning, then that means you need to be here or somebody else you know, they need to be here. So send the text and uh, post on your social and invite somebody to dial in now for just to listen. Tell them they don't have to get out of bed. They don't have to get up, they don't have to go on anybody's screen or video, but to dial in now if they are having, um, or just tell them to dial in, but particularly if they are struggling in the season, some of you know people who have lost a loved one, um, or they've had a loss, it might be a job, a relationship, a home, uh, something significant. So invite them to the line, and then we're going to go into group therapy. So God bless you. May heaven's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And I'll hand this over to you, Kim. Amen, amen. Um, as these spoke uh, about what the season sometimes means, we wanted to concentrate definitely on those who are struggling. Um, as we normally uplift those, they are – 
achieving in life and doing what they need. But sometimes during this season, there is definitely a struggle. So I'm very proud to be on a ministry who concentrates on our mental wellness and that we are holistic in everything that we do and we are um, designated and intentional around the importance of focusing on mental wellness. So I want to go ahead and just introduce our intercessor, Reverend Sharon White. Most of you may know her as our one of our faithful intercessors, um, but today she's coming as a licensed clinical social worker. Um, Reverend White, are you on the line? If you're speaking, we can't hear you. Y'all have to hit star six. Good morning. Can you hear me, Minister Kim? Yes, now I can hear you. Okay, thank you. I'm, I was having a little technical difficulty here. <laughs> it is good <laughs> no to be worries. with you, this, you all this morning. <laughs> amen, amen. Again, just in case um, people weren't, someone that's on now wasn't on Saturday, I want to give you another opportunity just to um, share your um who you are and your expertise on this matter. Sure. Thanks so much. So, uh, again, I am Reverend Sharon White. I am also a licensed clinical social worker. I have a master's degree from Bryn Mawr Graduate School of Social Work and Social Research, which is in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Um, and then I um, am tech uh, – professionally, I am the clinic director for a, a local behavioral health uh, – um, excuse me, I'm struggling this morning words. I'm, I'm the clinic director for a um, mental health facility in Delaware County, uh, which means I am operationally responsible for psychiatry, therapy, um, a host of other services in between. And I've been in the field for 27 years, I think it is at this point, and um, specialize in gerontology, however, uh, do the broader work now. And so I also have my own business, which is called Sharon, Sharon D. White Connections, LLC, which focuses on trainings and presentations, such, uh, presentations, uh, sessions like this Q&A, um, a host of other things that fall up under the umbrella of um, being a presenter, a workshop trainer, those kind of things. I think that's really uh, – oh, I will also say that I have a specialized training through an international program called Mental Health First Aid. And um, there are not a whole lot of us in the area who are trained on that, but I am one of those who is. And I have a special training in uh, older adults, adults and uh, uh, college students. So that's, I think, enough about me. <laughs> amen, amen. It's good to know that um, when someone we bring to the floor to present, we don't just get anyone. We get specialized clinically licensed professionals to share, and that's why I wanted you to just um, share your background. Today, I wanted to focus on um, SAD, which is Seasonal Affective Disorder, and also grief and compounded grief. Um, I know we talked a little bit about both we tapped on uh, SAD a little bit, but I wanted to go in a little more deeper into it, an explanation of it, treatment for it, 
signs and all of those things that we should be aware of, even in ourselves, that we might not even recognize what is going on. So could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Excuse me, please. Sure. And we did touch on it briefly, but we were at the end of our session when when it came up as a question, so we did not have a lot of time to talk about it. Um, but I'm happy to talk about it now. And so I think what I would say, first of all, is you, you absolutely get uh, described what SAD is. It's seasonal affective disorder. It's, it's a type of depression that's usually related to changes in seasons. So typically the pers- a person who has uh, SAD may not uh, – it's not going to be a pervasive depression. It's going to be around seasonal changes in specific seasons where it usually starts and stops around the same time every year. So you might find somebody who had, who experiences sad in the spring and summer month only. That's usually the, the uh, time when people experience it the most. However, it could also be in the fall um, and the winter months. So, uh, again, it's, it's really specific to seasonal changes and what happens neurologically in the brain as a result of, uh, of the seasonal changes. So this is not a depression that's situational that's related to, a, 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 you know, a loss or something like that. It is absolutely related to, again, what happens biochemically as a result of the seasonal changes. So that, that's it in a nutshell. So some of the symptoms are people feel sad and down most of the day, so it's not like you can snap out of it. It, it is absolutely a, a mood of sadness um, that the person experiences probably almost every day of the season where it affects them the most. And at that time, just like regular depression, the person might lose interest in activities. They might um, also sort of struggle with having energy to do things. They might also have, again, same symptoms as depression, have trouble sleeping um, or sleeping too much. Um, they, they might what's, – what's different about this in regular depression is that many times people who have sad experience a very interesting craving for, like, carbs, and they might find themselves overeating. They might experience weight gain. That can happen in depression, but this is more specific to sad, where that's pretty much a common thing that happens. Um, so, again, you can tell it's biochemical when we talk about having – a craving, a, a biological craving for carbs, um, and then also um, having difficulty concentrating, feeling hopeless, feeling worthless, um, uh, sometimes, again, having feelings of, of suicide, not wanting to live anymore. And so that's really it in a nutshell um, in terms of the symptoms and signs. What else did you ask me about, Minister Kim? Um, well, I wanted to, like, how – so we kind of know, right, when people become, I guess, distant or not wanting to do things in the season, like what is there any um, therapist, clinical therapists that are, um, that specialize in SAD? Like how do we go about getting treatment for it? Because it only happens, you said it's um, situational and it's a clinical um, imbalance, I think you said, in the brain. So what type of treatment do, would we go for um, for that condition? Mm-hmm. Let me make one clarification, um, Minister Kim. I was saying it's, it's actually not situational. It's seasonal. Oh, not situational. And I'm clarifying seasonal. situational because situational I was talking about it's not because you had a death, not because, some, you know, you lost a, a spouse. Got it's it. not that kind of situation. It's, it's more of a, again, biochemical um, issue around a certain season. 
And again, it could okay. be spring, could be spring and summer, or it could be winter, fall. And they show up a little bit differently, but they're they're the same thing. And so, in terms of treatment, there are um, special treatment uh, that people uh, go um, go for when they experience SAD. I will say first of all that there are some therapists who focus specifically on the types of treatment that a person who experiences SAD goes through. So it's important when one is seeking out treatment to ask specifically if if a person knows they're experiencing SAD they should be asking for a therapist who, who do treat that. Because, for example, not all therapists do some of the things I'm going to mention, all right? So for SAD, sometimes uh, people get what's called light therapy, which, which, change, which helps to, believe it or not, regulate what happens in the brain as a result of the changes from, say, night to day during that season. So not every therapist specializes in light therapy. Like I, I've been practicing for, as I said, 27 years. I do not specialize in light therapy. Right now, okay. there are some therapists who who, who are uh, psychotherapists who can also do the work. That would be me. Um, and then mm-hmm. also there are um, people who uh, mo- mostly I would say psychiatric providers. So now we're talking about because we're talking about medication, we're talking about psychiatric providers, not um, social uh, service uh, therapists. So uh, sometimes mm-hmm. a person might need to be put on an antidepressant medication to help regulate what's happening in the brain. And then also, quite frankly, there are um, people who treat, uh, use vitamin D treatment as a part of the, the treatment regimen also. So you can see the treatment is a little bit different than just a regular depression. And so, again, if a person knows that they're experiencing SAD, when you're going to look for a provider, that's what you should be looking for, specifically somebody who treats SAD. Okay. And there are people is- out there who do. What exactly is light therapy? Well, it's 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 there's a special um, uh, lamp. I'm gonna again try to keep it very um, neutral in terms of language, but mm-hmm. there's special light that is used by the treatment person, by the professional. That um, again, they when they're with that person in a session, for example, they have a lamp, and they use the lamp to again help people to. Um, Kind of the, the light comes uh, kind of helps kind of keep language simple. The light kind of helps to regulate what's happening emotionally because of the uh, the uh, the rays and stuff that come out of the light. Now there are specific sad light uh, lamps though. It's not like your lamp at home. Like that's another reason why you need a, a treatment uh, therapist to help you to understand what what kind of light. Uh, lamp is available for sad uh, uh, diagnosis, and also, quite frankly, a person should not just go get that lamp on their own. They need to work mm. with a therapist first before they go and try to treat themselves. That's just that's just not a helpful, quite frankly, healthy thing to do. Um, one thing that I heard um, that could help with that condition is exercise. Is that something that would help, like just or making plans to do something or um, to get out a social event, even if it's like one-on-one, not anything big. But is those type of things also helpful for um, treatment? Well, I would say that um, exercise is going to be helpful for any kind of depression. It's it's not Mm. closely aligned with that, but it doesn't, I mean, it, it can still help because if we're talking about the lack of interest in doing things, you know, and mm-hmm. we're talking about um, overall uh, mood being set. Well, 
activity will help with any of those things. But it's not oh, okay. specifically designated as a treatment modality for um, people with SAD alone. Uh, but, again, it, can, okay. it, it certainly can help, especially, again, we talk about the kinds of um, uh, symptoms I just talked about a, a little while ago. So it, can, it, it absolutely can help. Okay, okay. Um, that, that's and also, and also, by the way, I'm glad you, also I'm glad you brought that because when I talked about the fact that people who experience that have those carb cravings and also many times can gain weight, well, the exercise can help mm. with that part as well. So there are definitely benefits of having it, building in an exercise regimen um, into treatment along with the other things we talked about. Okay. I know sometimes that you mentioned that eating carbs, like a lot of times that's something people do is when they're feeling mm-hmm. depressed or feeling overwhelmed, they tend to mm-hmm. overeat um, and uh, become obsessive with the food. And then, like you said, mm-hmm. gaining weight and doing those things. Like um, when we identify that, we need to we need to first identify it, of course, but mm-hmm. we need to be mm-hmm. conscious of it and make sure that we try to control that urge because that can then spiral into so many other different health um, conditions, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And the other thing, uh, honestly, is that um, because SAD has that very common component of a uh, chronic or acute depression, mostly chronic, it, it's hard for people to diagnose it, quite frankly, Minister Kim. So mm-hmm. sometimes you know, it can just look like depression until the person really starts to track that this only happens at this time of the year for me. So I encourage people, you know, when you're, when you're having depression and, and it appears that it is uh, not something that happens to you all the time, I encourage people while you're trying to get the right diagnosis to journal. Journal when you start to feel that way and then journal when mm. it stops and then watch for patterns. And, and that will also help okay. you to help the professional to properly diagnose you um, because otherwise it can look like bipolar disorder. It can look like um, a, a, just a regular depression. So I really feel like journaling can be very helpful if we're just trying to get somebody diagnosed properly for the first time to watch the patterns. Mm. And the, That's good. Yeah and, then also, yeah, and then also your medical doctor needs to – uh, do a, a full medical workup also to make sure there are not other things going on, under, other li- underlying health problems that can be causing it to look like a sad uh, a diagnosis. Mm, that's good, too, because I know sometimes we don't, we don't stay on top of our health. We don't go mm-hmm. to the doctors regularly in general, not even just – I know we spoke about, you know, we'll seek treatment when we have a major issue with some other portion of our body, but we don't seek treatment when we have a major issue emotionally Mm -hmm. um, and psychologically. But we need to be holistic with it. We need to stay on top of everything and make sure you know your numbers, make sure you um, get your blood work so that you would know your numbers, know when things are out of line because you could be sluggish because you don't even know that your iron is low. Or like you said, you can have a vitamin D um, deficiency that you're not even aware of because that's something I have and I I didn't realize I had it until so they did a um, mm. blood work, and I have to take mm-hmm. a, a vitamin D supplement once a week to keep my mm. um, number where it needs to be. 
So that is yeah. very important. We have to be holistic when it comes to our bodies and invest in us like we would invest Absolutely. in anything else. And, you know, it's, I'm going to give an example of that, why that's true also, because as I said, I specialize in aging for I have probably 40-some years of, um, of specialty in aging. And one of the things that I've seen a lot is that sometimes people will think that a person has dementia when, in fact, it's a urinary tract infection or other kinds of medical conditions, but because mm-hmm. some people don't stay on top of their, their um, physical exams and things like that, they don't know it, and they think that somebody has a, a, a mental health diagnosis when it's really physical. Okay. Can you explain the difference? I got a couple of questions being texted to me. Can you say, um, explain the difference between something being acute versus, oh, she said they, you just answered. Okay. So I think what you were saying in regards to acute was when you were saying it was non-situational where it only happens at a certain um a certain time where you can actually track it, which is good with journaling, 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 <laughs> so that you yeah. can really stay on top of it, which is something we should do in general to stay on track of our progress with everything. Everything in life, journaling is very, very good. So I'm glad that you pointed me, that me, out. But let me make one correction, Mr. Kim. So, Acute is more situational in terms of regular depression. I'm not talking about sad. Oh, yeah, that's what I was, I'm means, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Just want, just want to make sure we're putting the right information out. Acute means it's not a – chronic is long-term. Chronic means it's something you're going to experience over and over and over again over the lifespan in many cases. Um, um, not that it's all the time, but over the lifespan. Where acute means it's situational. So I would say a person with a depression because – they um okay so a person who, who lost their loved one in November right next November they might have an acute depression where the grief and loss reminders come up and they feel depressed for that period of time but 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 moving through the months the depression ceases or it becomes uh, uh, uh not as prevalent that's more acute versus chronic which is somebody who has a depression that's long standing it might be that biochemical um, uh, uh, reason for depression, which means that it's a chronic issue. It's not going to go away. So we treat them differently. We treat acute differently than we treat chronic. Just really needed to make sure that was clear. Okay, good, good, good. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm, um, sure. Let me think. Is there any other questions? Um, and also to discuss the um, importance of being diagnosed and not trying to manage it, managing it on your own. Uh, you spoke a little bit about that. Um, can you just, you know, emphasize how important that is? Absolutely. And if you notice, Minister Kim, certain, certain things I'm saying, I'm not going too far into, um, the, uh, into, into a further discussion about it. And the reason why, mm-hmm. like I talked about life therapy, is I could sit here and go through all of what life therapy does and all that, but, but for me, the concern is people need to go get treatment and go get diagnosed and not try to do it on your own. So you, you, I, I went through all the symptoms pretty, pretty uh, detailed, but when you talk about um, treating things like SADS, people don't need to be home trying to do that on their own. 
So that's why I said don't go buy a light, light a lamp on your own for sad. The importance is to go in, get get with a professional who's going to properly diagnose what you're what you're describing to them, and again, what you tell them about your symptoms, how long you've been feeling that way. Bring your journal with you if you do that, and let and also again, if if they're worth their if they're worth their weight in gold professionally, they're going to ask you to get a medical a checkup so that they can rule okay. out anything medical. But, but that, that, that diagnosis is important to your wellness because, as I also said, people who experience SAD can have a tendency to have suicidal thoughts. So that's another reason why it's critical to go in to, to a professional as soon as possible so that you can learn what your real diagnostic picture is and get the right treatment and then live a quality life mm. versus having this overall sense of doom and sadness where it could lead to suicide attempt. Okay. Is there any treatment specific – oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was just reiterating what I was saying because it's so critical. Oh, well, please do. Yeah, again, just, just reiterating again that treatment is available, is possible, and, it can, and sad can be managed. That's the thing. Now, a person with a sad diagnosis – a seasonal effect is, or is not going to go away, it, it, but it can be treated effectively so that the symptoms are managed and the person can live a quality life. If you, if you have a diagnosis of seasonal affective disorder, it's not going to go away. That's a chronic mental health disorder, but what will happen is your, 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 your uh, symptoms, again, can be treated, and you will be able to live a quality life, whether it's simply you taking a an antidepressant, like some, one of, that we talk about is called Wellbutrin. You might be on Wellbutrin to deal with your sad, and then you live your quality life. So I just, that's important to stress. That's why okay. going to get the proper diagnosis is important. Sorry, go ahead, Ms. Kim. Amen, amen. Um, one you. of the questions I received, I just have two questions real quick, um, the um, the uh, one of the questions was: um, Is there specific questions that we should ask the therapist to ensure they are right fit for us? And what is the best way to be supportive of someone who is depressed or experiencing sad? Okay, those two different questions. So let me take one, and then if time permits, you can come back to the second because I won't I won't be a whole lot up my head. All right. So tell me the first one again. Sorry. Sure. I'm not writing, so I'm, you know, I'm not writing. No, it's fine. No, 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 it's fine. (laughs) Is there any specific questions that we should ask to ensure that the therapist is a good fit for us? Great question. So this is what I'm going to say about that. Absolutely. The first thing you want to do when you have a therapist, if you have already gotten a diagnosis, because typically unless you have a licensed therapist like me, a psychiatrist might be the one to do your evaluation depending on where you go for treatment, right? Because not every therapist can diagnose. A licensed clinical social worker can diagnose. Not every therapist can, all right? So you may be seeing a psychiatrist first for the eval, right? So once you get a diagnosis from whether a psychiatrist or the therapist, then your first question to the person is, how successful have you been in treating people who have seasonal affective disorder? Give me some examples of, uh, of uh, cases where you've treated successfully people who have come to you with that disorder. Like you want to know 
do you need to see somebody else, or is this person qualified? And the only way to determine qualification is to ask those kinds of experiential questions. How, how, how long have you been treating people with seasonal affective disorder? And then I would, am I going too fast? No. Okay. And then I would even ask the question of, have you ever had a case of somebody with seasonal affective disorder that you were not able to successfully treat, and then what did you do? Because that's going to give you the sense of the breadth of experience that person has. It's also going to give you an experience, a, 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 a really snapshot of what exactly they, did, they, they intend to do with you around your, uh, your diagnosis, and then it will help you to determine do you have a comfort level based on the answers. Amen. I'm going to ask the next question after D comes in because we're going to have, go okay. into our Q&A anyway. So, D, you wanted to okay. come in? While she's coming, let me say this briefly because I did it on the other call. Because I've already said that people who have a seasonal affective disorder might be prone to suicidal thoughts, I want to make sure that everybody on this call knows that there is a national suicide and crisis hotline and the way you get to them is simply 988. It's not pound 988. It's not star 988. It is simply dialing 988. That is the National Suicide and Crisis Hotline available across the country. It's available in English and Spanish language. Just wanted to put that out there because that's an important resource. All right. Okay. Um, so I just wanted to thank you for coming on behalf of Dr. D.C. Marshall um, just to share your knowledge and really help us be more informed of the condition as well as, you know, having a broader insight, even helping us select. Like those um, statements you made at the end about questioning the, their qualifications, that's something we don't really do. Um, and that's mm-hmm. very important. You need to make sure that the person is qualified to treat yes. you with your diagnosis. So we go yes. to the psychiatrist yes. or therapist and get a di- diagnosis, but then we have to make sure when we're getting treatment that the person is qualified to treat yes. you and that you trust that person too and that yes. you um, can have that open dialogue like you have to really be transparent and if you feel yes. that you can't be transparent with this person mm-hmm. perhaps it's not a good fit yeah and so one, one added note to ahead. that i'm sorry i have to add a note to that because that's so true the thing that's really critical for everybody to understand on this line is this you are the expert on your life right the therapist has a certain level of training and expertise so when you come together with a professional psychiatrist or therapist, you have to remember that you are also an expert in the room. You're the expert on your, your life, your feelings, your, what you're going through, and you cannot ever assume that that person is going to be better at treating you unless you partner with them. So you have to be transparent and honest, but also be empowered to know that when you're in the room, you also have rights when it comes to making sure that you get the best and possible treatment. I just had to say that. Because sometimes Absolutely. we assume that professionals are, the doctor is the expert, so I'm going to let them. No, you are the expert on your life, and I tell my clients that. I, I have a lot of expertise, but you're the expert on who you are. Partner with me for your wellness. 
Don't leave it all in my hands. Amen. That was good. That was good. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that because that is important. We have to know Absolutely. one of the um, um, things that one of the um, points my pastor made yesterday was to know your own value. And knowing mm-hmm. your own mm-hmm. value, you are an expert at you. You know you yes. you have to understand your worth. You have to understand what you need, and you can't settle for less. So the person and if you have a, in your need, yes. go ahead. And, and or if and or I'm sorry, I just had to. You you got me talking now uh, in a different way because it's important. And if that person doesn't listen to you, you already know they're not the right provider for you. Right. If go they're ahead. not listening to you. They are not the right. You can don't. You don't have to ask enough. If they're not listening to you, in that first time together, you already know they're not the provider for you. Mm. You already know that. that and I would also say, if you're in a facility where the, the, the a lot of practices use interns, I'm going to be honest. We use them at my facility, right? Where I, where I oversee us, uh, uh, the behavioral health services. Uh, an intern is not the best person to treat sad because they're not experts. So I can tell you already, if they offer you an intern, I would suggest that mm-hmm. you strongly consider um, gently saying, I'm, at this point, because of how I'm feeling, I would prefer someone who has more experience. And that's not insulting to an intern who, who understands that they're still in training. Right. Nor should you really, I mean, I do think you need to be polite about it, but you shouldn't mm-hmm. have, you shouldn't really worry about that because you mm-hmm. want the most qualified person to treat mm-hmm. you. Um, even Absolutely. in a hospital setting, like you, like for certain hospitals, they are teaching facilities, so they'll be residents. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable with a resident, you can request to see the intending, and that's the same Absolutely. thing with what you said. You do not have to have an intern. You can get right. the most qualified professional in, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone who's still in, um, in um, the learning process, so that's good. Um, I wanted yeah. to ask that one question. I'm going to go into Q&A real quick, so if anyone else okay. has any questions, please um, star six and state your name. But the other question was, what is the best way to support someone who is depressed or experiencing mm-hmm. depression? That's a great question. Um, I, I think it's a great question because I know on Saturday the question came up or the statement was made, how did somebody not know? And I say you have to pay attention to the person that you love and support. Look for changes. If you start to see changes in any of the things I've already described, if you start to see an overall sadness that you didn't see before, or if you did see it before, you see it's constant now. If you see this person who's usually pleasant, who's very irritable, have an angry outburst, if you, if you know the person usually was very outgoing and, and gregarious, and now all of a sudden they don't have any energy to do anything, they're giving up on the things that they used to love to do, things like that, it is really important to have an honest conversation with them, all right? to start to look at how to get them to at least get an evaluation. Now, this is the thing that you never want to say to somebody. I'm about to say it. And hear me, I'm saying don't ever say this to somebody that you love and want to help. What's wrong with you? Typically, that's what people say to their loved ones. That's the worst thing to ever say to somebody. 
who you think is having an issue. What you want to say is, has something happened to you recently? Can you tell me what's going on with you? Not what's wrong with you, because that will not elicit you the response that you want. Because there's a layer of uh, criticism in that question, and it also puts a person on the defense. So you want to you want to say, hey, I noticed recently. You know, we usually go out every every Friday, but I'm noticing that on Fridays now. You say you just gonna go home and go to sleep. Did something happen? Like what's going on for you? You're trying to get them to tell you if they're in distress or not. You're trying to get them to 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 partner with you that you can then say, hey, it might be helpful for you to maybe see a therapist and then offer to go with them or be a support to them. I will tell you that many times when people are in this state, they're not going to right away say yes, but you got to go for the long haul. So if they turn you, if they don't answer you the way you know that you're, you're witnessing them, don't, don't give up and don't just uh, throw in the towel or pressure them because they're probably going to be more defensive and maybe not tell you what they're really feeling. And especially if they're, if they're feeling suicidal, if you pressure them, they're not going to tell you. So you have to gently walk through and try to uh, uh, be there available for them so they may not answer you the first time. They may answer you the second time or the third time, but you have to be willing to go the distance if you really believe that somebody that you love and care for is either feeling depressed or has sad because you notice it only happens in, in um, uh, November through January. You want to walk alongside them gently because you're trying to partner with them to get help, not put them on the defense where they're not honest with you. That's really critical. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, t- tell, make sure you tell them about that suicide hotline. Let me tell you one other uh, myth that's important to understand that it's a myth. Hear me, everybody, on this line. If you ask someone, have they, uh, uh, have they thought about suicide, you are not making them suicidal. That's a myth. People are afraid to ask and use the word suicide or take your own life because they're afraid it's going to make somebody suicidal. That is not the truth. It is not the truth. So don't, don't be afraid to say what you need to say. You're not putting the thoughts in their heads. That's one of the reasons why people say they don't ask people because they're afraid that they're going to make them suicidal because they see them depressed. You, are not making some, you cannot make somebody suicidal like that. If they're, if they're having the thought, what we call the ideation, you're not increasing that. And in all likelihood, you might give them a sense of relief that you see what they are experiencing and they might be willing to talk about it. Mm. Can you give us a, a maybe um, a couple more examples on what we, how we should approach, like words that we should say and words we shouldn't say? Because I think that's very um, – that's very important for us to know how to approach people because even like mm-hmm. when it comes to grief, sometimes we don't know the words to say and we end up saying mm-hmm. the wrong thing. Absolutely. Listen, when I when my dog died, um, December twenty eighth, twenty twenty, a month later people said to me, Are you getting another dog? I was so angry. I was like mm. so you think that grief is over in a month? You think that I should be ready to move on? So you're right, um, Minister Kim. It is really important. You know, we don't even have time to talk about grief because that's a whole nother discussion yeah. around the signs <laughs> and stuff. But, so I can't even go into that. But what I'm going to say, going back to the topic we're on, is 
again, the word usage is so important. What you always want to make sure that you're communicating to the person is not judgment but love and concern. So I'm here for you. Hey, I'm just a little concerned because I noticed that um, you seem to be a little more tired than you usually are, and you seem to, like, not, not really, you know, have a lot of energy. Is there something going on with you? You know, hey, I'm noticing that, um, I, I noticed that, um, you know, things that you used to be able to laugh about kind of make you agitated now. Has, has something happened recently? Tell me, tell me a little bit what you're feeling. Like, you want to get to the heart of your relationship to use that as a springboard to trying to figure out what's going on with the person. So it's not any one word to use, but it's more of what don't say, what not to say. Don't say what right. Don't so remain don't, don't, more don't compassionate. Yeah. Yes, yes. Don't be don't criticize. And even if you notice them gaining weight, don't say, "Hey, I noticed that you you're packing on the pounds or something like that." No, that's not what you want to say. You want to say you you would speak more to again the other things that you're noticing because you're not trying to insult them or put them on the defensive defense. So here's what I would say as a, as a qualifier to what you might say. If you're about to say something to somebody that you love about what you're noticing, ask yourself the question, will this make them defensive? Ask yourself the question, will this get what I want from them, which is them to tell me what's wrong? Will this, will this, will this make them angry and then they shut down on me? You won't be able to answer those questions in your own head. You can answer those questions. Ask those kind of questions before you intentionally try to ask somebody about their wellness. And the other thing I would say is this. You can say to a person who you, who you have a relationship with, right, you can say, you know, I, I know that this is a time of the year when people struggle with, um, you know, depression and things like that. Have you, have you ever had a problem with that? Have you ever had, had a sense of feeling sadness or depression that you can't explain? You can do that too. You can normalize it is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Normally this time of the year people feel like, like around Christmas and, and, and uh, th- between Thanksgiving and New Year's, right, that's the high mm-hmm. depression time, right? Um, uh, so if you're noticing some of the things I talked about in your, one of your loved ones, you can say, you know, I- I'm hearing a lot about the fact that around this time of the year people start to feel sad. And, and I'm noticing that, you know, I don't see you being as jo- joyful as you usually are. Are you, are you feeling sad? Do you, do you have any of those kinds of feelings today, or have you had them? You can a- approach it that way also by normalizing it so that right, you're not isolating right. them and making them feel like you're, you're criticizing them. Thank you so much for sharing that, because we need to know how to be more compassionate and also mm-hmm. normalizing the condition uh, sad, mm-hmm. dep- any type of depression. This um, it's a, because mm-hmm. it's unnorm. It, it, we in a culture, especially in African Americans, that is not something's wrong if you're seeking out any kind of mm-hmm. uh, psychological help. And we need to make mm-hmm. it more normal. And this is what yes. you're supposed to do. So I have one more. But question. let me. Can I say? Can, can I just say one thing about which I'm sorry. I have to say this too, if you don't mind. I really, I just need to say this also, because even what we call it is important. We don't use language like abnormality when we talk about per, a person's wellness. We don't use that language. Right. We don't want to use any language that's stigmatizing. I, I'm saying it because I heard it earlier. We, we, can, we don't use that kind of language. What we talk about is mental wellness and mental care. 
We don't use any word that would make it stigmatizing to a person. I just right. I wanted to say that because I wrote it down because I heard it earlier. Oh, okay. Thank you. So the um, last yeah. question, because we are um, at the 8 o'clock hour, what's your thoughts on hydroxyphene? I hope I'm saying that correctly, um, to treat anxiety. When you say what's my thoughts, I'm that's the question. I don't know. Yeah, they were just, I guess they're wondering if you had an opinion on that specific drug to um, treat anxiety, whether it's an effective method or it's not something that's widely used. So uh, this is what I'm going to say. I, I'm, I hesitate to give an absolute on any medication because mm-hmm. if you're working with a, a professional doctor, right, who's looking at your class of symptoms, and sometimes people have um, symptoms that are not widely um, had by other people. So because that's the case, I'm not going to give a no on a, on a medication. I would never do that because now I'm second-guessing a psychiatrist who has, who has a medical background as well as a psychiatric background and also looks at your medical conditions, if you're on other medications, looks at a holistic amount of things. So I would never, ever, ever um, tell somebody don't take a medication. So that's how I'm going to answer that question. What I will say is if you have a concern about any medication that your doctor is giving you, because, again, this is a psychiatrist, as as a licensed a practitioner who can diagnose, I do not prescribe medication. And I know medications, but I don't prescribe. So if you have a question, everybody, anybody on this call, if you have a question about why they're giving you a medication or if you heard something about a medication that you've been, di- that you've been uh, given a prescription for, before you fill it, do like I did with my doctor recently, and I asked her a couple of questions. Why did you choose this specific medication? That's the first thing I asked her. Because the pharmacist said to me, do you know that this has side effects? And, and so I asked my doctor, why did you give me that? Is there any other medication that's more commonly used for what you're giving me this for, right? And then listen for those answers. And then if you have a discomfort, you can say, I heard, whether it's on the, on the TV or by somebody specifically, that this medication causes such and such and such and such. Can you please explain that to me in terms of why you gave it to me? That's my answer. Right. Cause, and I will even say personally, um, you are 100% correct, because even with my psychiatrist, because of my sensitivity to um, medications, mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of times she mm-hmm. has to be very detailed in looking at um, the side effects, number one, to mm-hmm. make sure that mm-hmm. it doesn't counteract with me, as well as other medical uh, like I, I suffer exactly. from high breath pressure, that it doesn't have um, any kind of counseling uh, counseling effect on the high blood pressure because some um, yes. medications can stop the effectiveness of another medication. And Absolutely. as well as Absolutely. She, she puts me on, if, if she needs to make a change or an addition, mm-hmm. she will mm-hmm. try give me half the dose first so I will take mm-hmm. half the dose mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks to see how mm-hmm. it affects me before I take mm-hmm. the full dosage because of my sensitivity. Right. sensitivity. 
So you definitely right. need She's going to titrate you up. She, they start right. low and titrate you up. Absolutely. Right. So that was really, really good. This whole entire session was so awesome, Reverend White, mm-hmm. and we truly appreciate you, Dr. D.C. Marshall. Thanks you from the bottom of her heart to for mm-hmm. coming and being a faithful, um, like anything we ask of you, you are so very willing to do it. And especially mm-hmm. on these type of topics, you are um, very knowledgeable. You know your stuff, and I love you dearly. You are my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I call friends. you when I need you to help me. <laughs> with Amen. matters. Amen. So I thank God Amen. for you. I thank God for your ministry as well as your business. I am so proud you. that you have your own um, business and you have um, you. really been intentional with it. So I just bless God mm-hmm. for everything that he's doing mm-hmm. in and through your life because it is amazing mm-hmm. in our sight. So we just thank you for everything. Mm-hmm. And women of God, men of God, I pray that you took these words to heart and that you... Um, I'm sorry. Hello? Minister White? That wasn't me. So I heard somebody, but that was not me. I don't know. Oh, okay. Happening. Yeah, we might have had someone on there, but I think our command control um, court, um, block uh, muted them so it wouldn't be a distraction. Okay. So we thank okay. you. I know you um, I was, I was mentioned. I think it was someone mm-hmm. that uh, was trying to. Uh, Are we going to do any question, Q&A? We're closing it. We did, but now we have to end the call. We did, I did ask for questions earlier, but um, so thank you so much, and we appreciate you. Remember, we can um, girlfriends pray. You can pray with us Monday and Friday at 7 a.m. And um, you can go to our website, www.girlfriendspray.org, to learn more about uh, Girlfriends Pray. And remember, First Thessalonians 5, um, hmm, I can't think of the scripture, uh, Reverend White, Lord, today. I can't think of the address. Ladies, we will uh, be back here on Friday and then again on Monday, and I'm going to bring in, I'm going to line up um, our team of, we have psychologists, psychiatrists, um, as well as uh, mental wealth counselors. So what I'm going to do is I'm hearing you all talk, um, we're going to do that. And so next Monday, I'm going to bring in another therapist. I'm going to bring in the psychiatrist. You can ask the psychiatrist the questions about the medication. I will bring in our, we have a resident psychologist. I'm going to bring her in. And then we have another LCSW. We have a whole team. And so I'm going to line that up for the rest of this month. So pray with us and on that. And we pray that you have an amazing day today, an awesome year and, uh, and we'll be back here on Friday. So God bless you. May heaven's face shine upon you and be gracious to, gracious to you. And remember, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says to pray without ceasing. God bless you.